Today's topic is no-till organic with cover crops. And I have that title kind of strategic there, the second part, with cover crops, because I think that's pretty much the only way you could think about doing no-till organic. And it's um, certainly something that has been talked about a little bit more recently. It's something that uh, I've been, I guess you'd say, observing over the years. When I, when I um, and I'm going to get, get some pictures up here, but what I have found, and this is no, no surprise probably to anybody, but the biggest challenge is going to be weed control. So uh, being able to control weeds since you don't have the use of herbicides is going to be the biggest challenge, and that is why you pretty much are relying on the cover crop to help with your weed control. Now, there's other background information like your field history of the weed seed bank, the types of weeds that may be there, and, and so forth. Uh, and, and obviously, I'll just say that if you have – any perennial weeds at all, like dock or like um, uh, uh, thistles and stuff like that, there is no way that you're going to be able to uh, be able to have a successful no-till system there. So that's the biggest uh, challenge. <coughs> so anyway, uh, sorry for that little bit there, uh, cough, but anyway, uh, one of the things that is really important here and really kind of got the whole organic no-till movement started was when we started rolling cover crops. And um, a little bit here, my story back in the mid-90s, I got this cover crop roller you see here, and we started rolling cover crops. Uh, I'm not organic myself, but uh, the, the, one of the reasons why I got that roller was the price of Roundup was 40 to $50 a gallon, and I thought I could save some money on reducing my Roundup rates. And sure enough, there is a direct relationship to that. But now, as we're looking more at uh, organic, we, we can't use Roundup. And uh, once I started using this roller, I would have field days here at my place. And this was one of the highlights of them. This is the, we're, we're still back in the, the 90s. And I had done some field days with the Rodale Institute, which most of you know is an organic organization. And they do a lot of research and so forth. And so they saw this roller I was using, and they thought, well, they ought to try that and see if we can no-till organic. And I'm not going to dwell on the story too long, but this is the – I believe my they, they had bought a rolling stock chopper like I had used modified. But they didn't like that because it was in the back of the tractor. They wanted to mount it something on front so they could roll and plant at the same time. And so I believe this picture might be one of the first rollers that they used that they put on front. So uh, the Rodell is, can be credited to promoting the concept of no-till organic. And, uh, and, and to this day, it's still being used and talked about and so forth. Now, this is over at the Rodell Institute, which is in southeastern Pennsylvania, about an hour and a half from me. And I was a consultant for a couple years for their uh, farming systems trial that they had. And this was way back here. This picture was taken in 2008. And 
Uh, this is actually no-till field corn into a cover crop of hairy vetch. And then there's other different plots there that they were uh, that they're researching on. But you can obviously see there is some weeds broke through there. But um, again, this is this is pretty much what you probably could expect. Uh, you can see uh, sometimes it's uh, some parts of it are very decent weed control and others not so much. Um, so I just want to lay that kind of groundwork um, to get started. But how do we? Do this if you're interested in organic no-till how do you do it and I'm gonna say that it all starts the fall before that's when your the foundation of success occurs and it's about getting a good cover crop established and I'm fully recommending that you drill in a cover crop and st instead of broadcasting because you want the consistent stand because you're essentially using the cover crop as your weed control methods. Uh, so in, in looking at the proper seeding rate for the cover crop, this is very important. And now that our main objective here is weed control, more than likely you're going to increase your seeding rates uh, than what you may be used to. And seeding rates are relative. They're variable depending on your field fertility, depending on your planting date and things like that. Uh, so you kind of have to get some experience on your own farm. I'm gonna give you some CD rates here in the next slide, but I also want to preface that by saying that you're going to have to see what works for you and your situation. Uh, and, and also when you think about mixes and how that's going to affect the legume to grass ratio in your mix and what what, what is your fertility needs and so forth. So specifically, I'm going to suggest uh, a few different seeding rates here to get to get you started, uh, or, or those you advise to get them started in in a direction to head. Um, so for typically cereal rye is used, um, suggesting 80 pounds per acre. That's just uh, a little under uh, two bushels, uh, and this is like in the, the the main cover crop planting time of October, if you go later into November, you're going to have to increase seeding rates and you're probably pretty much going to have to rely then on just cereal rye or maybe triticale uh, when you plant later in the year. So I have the, uh, so a couple scenarios here. The top one is cereal rye and hairy vetch. Uh, hairy vetch at 15 pounds per acre. Uh, triticale also about the same rate as cereal rye, 80 pounds. Crimson clover around 10 pounds per acre. And some people choose to put a mix in there of oats uh, just to you know, make a little bit more diversity and have a little bit more ground cover in the fall. For instance, when you have a hairy vetch in a mix, that doesn't provide much ground cover at all. So having that there and radish for the same reason to provide more fall um, a weed suppression, which translates into winter annual weed suppression. I'm suggesting around two pounds of radishes or maybe oil seed rape if it's getting later. Most places, if it's getting into the end of September, you might want to swap that out with some oil seed rape. And uh, I have found oil seed rape, uh, if you leave it grow long enough, like you have to do with the other cover crops, even in a non-terminated, non-herbicide terminated situation in spring, that a roller will, will take out the oil seed rape. Uh, so this is just some ba baselines here of what, uh, what you can do in that. There is a another 
cover crop that's kind of coming onto the radar now in the context of rolling. Um, and this is the Balanza fixation uh, clover uh, that you may have heard about. Uh, I don't have a close-up here, but the stems tend to be hollow, and that will lead to easier kill with a roller. And this is a picture of me with uh, in Danny Sutter's farm about three weeks ago in Indiana, and he had uh, a good deal of Balanza fixation clover planted, and he is trying to be as no-till and or as organic as possible, and this is one of the uh, cover crops that he's uh, working with a lot of now. So uh, as, as far as uh, weed control, uh, that is, again, paramount that you get an excellent stand of cover crop. And uh, the biomass and the consistency of that cover crop is going to be your um, your weed control. And I cannot overemphasize that enough. If you're going to make no-till organic successful, you're going to need to have a good, consistent cover crop. Um, now, I will also uh, mention that it's not always um, that it works like we plan. Uh, weather can throw curveballs and so forth. Um, I've had some good success in my pumpkins already where we did not use herbicides, and there are some times where we'll literally shut the sprayer off and uh, just seems like there's enough cover there. Uh, this is one of those places in one of my pumpkin fields. I would consider that pretty good weed control for no herbicides. You can still see there is some there. There are a few weeds scattered throughout. Um, but weeds are pretty hard to control in pumpkins because it takes a while for them to cover the ground, and even then the vines don't fully shade out the the surface for, for so weeds don't grow. So it's a good indicator crop of the potential of how you could actually no-till in an organic situation. Uh, so uh, that's that's um, some of the biggest, uh, you know, biggest uh, things that you need to know in looking at this. There has also been some, I guess you would say, almost disasters where we've done a, a planted a good cover crop and rolled it down, and it just did not keep the weeds back down. This picture here, Again, shows you uh, squash that are in there. You have to look for the squash. The weeds pretty much got the upper hand there. Uh, this was a situation with working with a neighbor where we were trying to transition this field over to organic, and um, basically that was a little rough looking there. Now, I can uh, give you a few reasons. It was pretty much straight hairy vetch, which in the context of this that year having quite a bit of rain that we lost uh, a lot of our ground cover early because it decomposed early. So we did not have the ground cover. If we would have added a little bit of triticale or rye, it could have possibly helped in that situation there. So um, that's just, uh, I, I guess I just want to put it out there that the weed control is, is the biggest the biggest issue and you need to have a cover crop that works. Uh, the rollers do a pretty good job at terminating if you wait till um, till they're uh, mature enough. So that field that you just saw was actually this picture here of my title slide. A decent cover crop there of hairy vetch, but it did not quite keep the weeds down. And I would hasten to add that that field probably 
wasn't the I probably had a pretty large uh, weed seed bank in it, and uh, so it was you know maybe not maybe not a good field to to start out with. So what we want to do is to have a nice mix, a nice cover crop mix uh, that has uh, a balance here of of legumes and grasses. I am going to talk at the end a little bit about corn and soybeans in there. If we're if you're thinking about doing that in the context of your cash cropping organically, uh, that uh, there's there's some things that we'll talk about there. But a nice mix. If you look closely there, there's actually winter oats in there. There's triticale, there's crimson clover, and uh, yeah, it's just a nice mix there. This this would be a good time to roll this down. Um, that's not the thickest stand that we're looking at, but it's all standing and it's all. Um, it's all there ready to go as far as maturity and, and time to roll. So when is the proper time to roll? Uh, you're going to have to let the cover crop mature so that the mechanics of the cover crop roller will, will uh, take it out, the crimping action. Um, also, you need to be careful it doesn't blow down. This is, um, uh, you might have seen this picture before in some of my presentations, but it really highlights an important aspect of success. If a thunderstorm comes in and you have a lot of hairy vetch hanging on that rye or triticale and it blows and it blows it down, it's going to be difficult to plant through that biomass. So that's why it's critical that you get it rolled in, in the, with the stems in the way that you're going to plant. Sometimes you can plant against the roll, but um, more than likely it's a lot better to plant with the roll. So a little bit about timing, uh, rolling at the right time. Um, and I'll just mention here, some people ask, well, what about mowing? And uh, pretty much that has not really worked as well. It's harder to plan into when you mow. You can't get as a consistent of a, the, this, when you, when you mow, it doesn't get as consistent to uh, the biomass on top of the soil. It can be swaths sometimes. It takes a lot more power usually, and um, mowing just has not uh, turned out to be a, a very viable way to, to use a cover crop in a, in a natural organic situation. So you want to wait until like the rye and a triticale and, and things like that are in the milk stage or past pollination. If you look at this picture here, you can see there's um, pollen sacks or whatever you call them there. Um, this is getting close to the time to roll. When you when you see the dust, the pollen in your field, a roller crimper will will do a decent job. And I'm going to show you a picture coming up here that you might want to consider a double roll or rolling two weeks apart, depending on your planting date and so forth. Um, so you you want to wait till the plant is effectively almost 90% um, mature, if you will, uh, just before you get into the dough stage of the grain or the dough stage is, is, is actually great if you can wait that long. A lot of times we're pushing to get our our cash crops planted by this time. Another thing is there has been some um, misconceptions out there, I think, on, on a roller and what it should do for you. When you're in the late stages of a cover cropping uh, maturity, uh, if you cut some of the stems, it doesn't matter a whole lot. But if you're pushing earliness, you want to crimp and you don't want to cut. Because if you cut off, for instance, a rye stalk 
that is not pollinating yet, that'll probably regrow from the base, and then you'll never be able to kill it, um, uh, especially if you don't have the option of herbicides like in the no-till organic. So that's why most crimpers, when you see them up close for the first time, you're surprised at how dull the blades are. They're not really sharp, uh, and they don't intend to be. So you want to essentially crimp the plant so it just screws up the internal parts of it, and it doesn't want to think it can regrow. Um, so that's just a little bit of a background information on that. So the other thing about rolling is the uh, when we talk about legumes, here's a crimson clover. Uh, this field here was in what we would call full bloom, a beautiful field. Um, and I remember we planted some spaghetti squash in that field. We did have some seeds that were mature enough in that clover that regrew. And you could say, well, that's bad, or you could say that's good. The reality of it was I didn't mind having some regrow because it was underneath the, the canopy of the squash. They didn't really bother it. They may have helped me with a little late-season nitrogen. I don't really know. But I will say it was somewhat sporadic and erratic throughout the field. It wasn't a nice, even stand. It would have been really cool if we would have essentially got a free cover crop sown. But um, it was basically we had, a, we had a plant the whole field there. But the point of this picture is you got to have the, the, the legumes in full bloom. Uh, hairy vetch would be purple. And you want to, like, I tell people that if you're driving by and you say, wow, that field's getting really pretty, then it's time to roll uh, if you're doing it without any use of herbicides. So regardless if it's hairy vetch or crimson clover, you want to see those flowers uh, everywhere. So one of the challenges now, we wanted to grow these nice massive cover crops so we can do weed control, but that presents another challenge. And I alluded to this a little bit and why we need to roll before it blows down. It's to be able to get good seed to soil contact. Now the picture on the uh, left and the picture on the right, we're literally taking a row apart. The one had an area where it was blown down, in this case, rye, and the planter colder wasn't sharp enough or wasn't in the ground deep enough. It essentially did not cut the, the, uh, the cover crop, and it just stuffed it down in. This was a little wetter, and there you can literally see the seed that never grew, and on the left-hand side, you can see this is probably uh, two weeks after planting. Uh, you can see the, the seeds up there nice and growing. So we have, um, uh, you know, you, you do the best you can to get it laid down right. There are some uh, new pieces of equipment coming out that can help with this. And this is a crop cover crop residue slicer. Um, you might have saw this before as well, but it's important to bring it up now. The direction of travel is right to left. As the arrow indicates, it looks backwards. But there's two gauge wheels are effectively holding down the cover crop residue while the straight-bladed colder cuts it. So it's able to get a better cut and a, and a more of a, a slice, um, as we like to say. This was developed for no-till organic because they were having trouble getting the seed down into the soil without hairpinning. So this is developed by a local shop in my area here uh, to be able to address this issue. So a lot of people that have that 
do organic, if the corn planter or pumpkin planter or whatever, have some of these type of residue um, uh, uh, cover crop slicers that we call them. And so anyway, um, the idea here is to get that seed down into the soil, make a nice clean cut. As you see there with no hairpinning, that seed is going to grow. So that's, that's what we're looking for. Um, one more thing here, and then I'm going to stop. I'm uh, just going to talk about this slide a little bit, and I want to stop, see if there's any questions so far. One more thing is that you might have an option to roll twice. That could be rolling the same exact time, just roll the field twice to get a, to get more crimping action, and it's, it's, it's usually fast and it doesn't take long, so it's not a big deal to do that. It's not very it doesn't cost much per acre to roll. Or in this case here, this was cereal rye and hairy vetch. And this was rolled. And this is approximately two weeks later. What I've found is typically hairy vetch will mature a little bit later than cereal rye. And so the cereal rye has been pretty much taken out by the roller. But the hairy vetch kind of came out there and grew. Now, the, for me, this was in preparation for pumpkins. I kind of like this because... I figured I got a couple more pounds of nitrogen out of that vetch. So at this stage here, if you're organic, you can just go in and roll that the second time. And this is my picture to show you how the flowers must be to be able to roll vetch and have the crimper pretty much kill it. So it needs to be purple, as you see there. So you could roll twice the same day. You can roll a couple days apart, a couple weeks apart. Again, it depends on what you're trying to do and, and so forth. Um, and, and so just an example there of some of the scenarios. So I'm just going to pause here for a second. Uh, does anyone have any questions? We pretty much focused on weed control um, uh, to date. Does anybody have any questions at all, though, about this? Jim, do you got a question? Yes, sir. What model equipment does that, does that cover crop press wheel deal go on? They can build it on anything with a 5x7 or 7x7 frame. Okay. Uh, and they've customized different ones. Um, for instance, on my planter, it's a five by seven frame. On my pumpkin planter, that's why I have it, or a seven by seven frame. So, and they're not they're not cheap. They I think they're five hundred and if I say five hundred and fifty a row, I think I'm covered with everything there. Yeah. Um, so uh, I had a guy ask if he could put them on a drill. I said, boy, that would get expensive. Uh, so, uh, so this is with your this is. This is that 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 residue slicer, Jim, is is specifically for heavy, heavy covers. Uh, and it definitely wouldn't apply to all farmers. But those who are interested in doing it, um, let me make a note here. I'll put the phone number down. I do not know of anybody else uh, making them something like that. Um, uh, when I send out the link, I'll put Peckway's uh, phone number down there. Peckway Planter is the name of it. It's a local... Amish outfit, uh, believe it or not, who has done a lot for no-till in this area for Amish, and they have also been making these residue slicers for specialty crops and organic farmers as well. So, uh, Lloyd. Yeah, uh, two questions. Uh, the, the residue slicer, uh, so that mounts on the, uh, the toolbar, not on the row unit itself. It's on the toolbar. You almost have to have two of them. I don't know that they can make them to go on a single frame planter. 
Uh, a lot of it, planners, I, I don't know. Because um, uh, my, my thought was I would, I would replace my calder, you know, uh, and yeah. put it, uh, if, it, if the mounting system would be correct. Yeah, they would pretty much have to have the, the incorporated in there would be where you could bolt your parallel link arms of your seating unit. And I don't know if they can build that or not. Um, that that could that's a question that you'd have to call them and ask. Okay. Um, second second question is uh, on your roller. Uh, is there weight? Uh, will more weight help crimp more? Yes. Uh, on my roller, it's heavy enough. Uh, I don't need to add extra weight, and it's twenty five hundred pounds. 10 feet, so that's 250 pounds per foot, if you want to think of it that way. Uh, with the other rollers that like INJ Manufacturing make, or the one I showed you from Rodell, which is the INJ Manufacturing one, they have um, a, uh, 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 a hole with a plug where you can put water in. So you can pretty much, you can put an infinite amount of weight as far as, I mean, you, there's only so much, but you can, you know, if you need a little half full, you put a half full of water. If you need it to full, completely full water, you put it completely full. And I think a lot of times people are running them full water because you need you need some weight. You do need some weight to, to that to, to make this thing work. Uh, so so that's just just something you probably need to know on that that there is a a limitation on tractor size, especially if you have a three point type then you have to have a big enough tractor to lift it up. And if you have a – they, they, they make all kinds of rollers now, and some of them are uh, like, you know, hydraulic and wheels and so forth. So they're not hard to pull in the field, but depending how they're configured, how they're designed, you may need a bigger tractor just to lift them up. Yeah, so, uh, we have that Don Logic system on uh, Jack's planner. and. Right. Uh, when we were out planting in some of the wetter spots, uh, the down pressure was too much and it, you know, caused problems. So we actually put it in float, you know, right. so, and where, and where we put it in float, uh, we didn't get near the, the kill or the, mm. the crimping action as when we had down pressure on yes. it. That's why, that's what yes. prompted the whole question. Yep. Great question. And, um, you do need certain amount of down pressure on. Uh, I have I have heard that that 200 pounds in that range per foot is 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 a good I guess something to go by um, if you're building one or want to know what to do. I mean, it, it sometimes it's the limiting factor is your tractor, but you know you think about that if you buy one, you know what you want to do and, and so forth. So it does need to have a decent amount of weight on to make this work. Another quick question. Okay, um, I wanted to talk just a little bit more about, uh, I, I think I alluded to no-till transplanting. Uh, this is something that I have been doing for a while, uh, actually since the mid-90s. This is a, one of my early tomato fields. I used to grow them out in the, out in the field. This was, you know, it's, it's funny how sometimes the first thing you do it, the first time you do something is, is is one of the best times you ever did it and this is one of the first years if not the first year i rolled harry vetch and no-till transplanted tomatoes and it's to this day has been one of the nicest stands and one of the nicest um uh you know i guess you almost say picturesque uh, one thing i ever did 
And I love this picture because you got that nice rolled down vetch that's completely dead. And then you got these beautiful tomatoes that had no fertilizer applied to this point. So I mean, I'm sharing this picture in the context of a topic today, no-till organic. This picture here represents no weed control and no fertility to this point. Now, later on, I would have added some fertility that probably wasn't listed in organic uh, approved, so to speak. But just wanted to show you what can be done out there. So this was 20-some years ago. And for those of you who are on the call earlier, we were talking about uh, what I'm doing now is no-till transplanting hemp. So, so here we are. This is just uh, two days ago. We're actually working at it right now where we're no-till transplanting hemp. And right at this spot, we're using uh, no herbicides, no burn down, just rolled uh, twice, and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, so I am using burn down on some of my other acres for this situation, but uh, here's just a close-up here. Uh, coming up that you can see how it looks close up. This is what we want to see. Don't want to see any soil showing. We want to see um, the the cover crop giving is my weed barrier there. So uh, one of the things that I'm trying to do now is to try and, since there's a lot of interest in growing hemp, that if we're growing, especially the CBD type hemp, where it's spread out pretty far and, you know, the, the weeds certainly could grow and there's a lot of plastic being used and I don't feel that's necessary. We don't need the plastic to heat up the soil. Plastic has just been used in this uh, for uh, for weed control. And I'm saying we can do it here. So in an organic situation, I don't think there's any reason why this couldn't work um, in this. So the other thing I wanted to touch on is uh, corn and soybeans. And because um, that's a lot of the broad acre crops that are out there. So if you're going to be organic in, in those crops. For corn, you want to provide, again, as much weed control as you can with the cover crop, but also some, some fertility. So you want to lean heavily on legumes. I'd say plant mostly legumes. Depends on the nature of your soil and how long you've been in a more of a regenerative agriculture system because over time, building up organic matter and so forth, you can probably shift into some more grasses. Uh, but we want to focus on legumes. And also even narrow rows if you can. And that's just simply for, so that the canopy of the corn will shade out and suppress weeds. And I'm going to show you some pictures up here coming soon. Actually, the next pictures um, on, on a farmer in Indiana doing just that. Soybeans is pretty straightforward here. And I will say if you're going to start with organic or without using herbicides, soybeans would be the easiest to do. So uh, there's something about planting cereal rye ahead of soybeans that is really great synergistically. And uh, so you want to focus on more of those grasses. They stay around longer and, and, and so forth. So um, plant mostly grasses. Now, some fields, you might want a few legumes in order just to grow your cover crop, to help grow that grass cover crop. And also plant narrow rows. Um, unless you do have a high residue cultivator, the 30 inch rows that you need to go through, or maybe maybe even 20 inch rows, that's an option. Um, but if you're planning on just rolling and then no-tilling, 15 inch or drilled, 7.5 would be preferred. Um, so I was just curious, um, 
has anybody that's that's on this uh, webinar today grown any corn or soybeans without using herbicides? I'm not sure if I know of anybody. I think Jim, didn't you work with some no-till organic stuff down there in Oklahoma? Or tell tell us about that. Yeah, we've played with it a little bit. <clears throat> it's it's hard to do. Yeah. Uh, timing's everything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things in that are beyond your control. So right. it's almost yeah. like if you get it right, it's it's a lot of luck, I think. Yeah. Maybe, and, maybe and like your tomatoes, if you do it right once, you should just quit then and not do it <laughs> Well, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I'll just, uh, in, in my experience, and I'm talking here with with everything in the whole dynamic of different cash crops, without herbicides and, and no-till organic is that in one year and five, it, it may work pretty good. And one year and five, it'll be a disaster. And the other three years kind of could go either way. Uh, that's how I've experienced this based on uh, what I've done on my farm here, trying to look at this. Also, it's um, also what I've heard from a lot of others as well. So, um, I think that we shouldn't give up on it because as I'm going to show you here coming up soon, there could be some other uh, aspects to this that maybe, maybe other tools that are, that are coming along um, in this. And um, so I'm just going to uh, move forward here and, and kind of wrap this up. You might have some questions then after I go through the next segment. Um, so some of you know, three weeks ago I was in Indiana and I was on Rick Clark's farm He's West Central Indiana, uh, almost, you can almost see Illinois from his farm. He has a 60-foot roller, and that's quite a, a an art piece right there. He got how that thing unfolds and goes out and rolls. But uh, he has a 60-foot roller to roll his cover crops. He's farming about 7,000 acres, and his goal is to convert about 2,000 to organic. He is going to try to keep his no-till system. And one of the key components of that is uh, what is called the Romo. Um, and uh, here you can see as an old toolbar from a cultivator. And this is set up on 20-inch rows. He has a 20-inch corn planter, a 20-inch bean planter. So that's the width, the row width. So he's narrow to help for weed suppression later on. But... Um, these uh, rows, if you look underneath them, that you can see there's three blades that rotate, kind of like a disc mower almost. And so the idea here is to plant, to, excuse me, to roll with the roller crimper and hopefully kill your cover crop and then come back later when, the, when you need to and mow either the cover crop that's trying to regrow or mow weeds off. Now, obviously, it's not going to take out weeds that are actually in the row, and the tolerances here are really close, so you want to make sure your GPS is working really good uh, to be able to do this. But this is an idea um, that kind of a local guy has helped fabricate. I would mention, too, that um, Dawn Biologic, or Underground Agriculture, is making what they call a Romo using a sickle bar type uh, device as well is essentially looking at the same concept here 
just to uh, basically cut off weeds um, as as they grow between the rows. So um, I think again, as some new tools are being developed here, this could be a a part of that um, a part of that uh, opportunity maybe to go totally no-till organic. Um, I see Dan wrote in here um, uh, that he's um, worked a little bit with uh, small plots and sweet corn and no-till. And um, he's mentioning here maybe barley is a good one to roll earlier, which is a great idea because barley matures sooner, so you get your crop planted sooner. So glad you get to mention that, Dan. But Swinging back to um, our row mow here, does anybody have any questions on this? I mean, I was there. I saw it. Um, this, I mean, I, I will say that Rick said that he, he figures this probably won't be the final, uh, the, the final version of it. They'll probably need to tweak it. But any questions on this row mow here? Okay. Um, I am going to um, let you know what I'm going to be talking about next week, and then I'll just – uh, come around and see if there's any other questions. Uh, so next week I'm going to be talking about our cover crops, the real answer for regenerating our climate. Now that could be a loaded statement right there. And uh, trust me, we're not going to get into debate about climate change. I feel like I have some perspective I'd like to put out on the table though. So, um, and I wouldn't mind hearing from the rest of you what you think. But uh, that's that's on our schedule for next week. So you can look forward to that. But just wrapping up today here, is there any other cover crop question you may have or anything related to today's topic of organic no-till with cover crops? Jim? Yeah, just for fun, I just emailed you a picture of a big cover crop roller that the FFA kids in Vega, Texas built. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, they say everything's bigger in Texas, so I can't wait to see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Any other questions anybody have? I see Derek Siders is on from Eastern Oregon. Derek, I know you're working with some stuff out there. Are you are you trying to go without herbicides and anything yet, or where are you at in that, Derek? Well, yeah. Um, the in-season herbicides for some of the seed crops, you, you don't have any options. So yeah. I got uh my own little high residue uh cultivator it's it's just a double disc corrugator uh with a duck foot behind it's all it is but i'm interested in the row mo that kind of seems like yeah. a pretty cool deal mm -hmm. there but yeah that's uh kind of where we're at right now i gotta try to straighten out my crop rotation a little more i think yeah. i could solve a lot of problems before yeah. they start <laughs> yeah well no doubt about it uh, we all agree that this is this is a higher level of management uh, to get to this point, and um, it it just is, and you have to understand that. I know there has I, I I think I need to be fair to the conversation that there has been quite a few disappointed farmers that they did not get the weed control that they were hoping for with their cover crop. Um, my my quote that I have been saying for years is. A little herbicide goes a long way with cover crops and rolling. And um, but there again, if we're talking strictly organic, then that statement is a moot point. Um, but in the context of overall agriculture, um, I'm trying to help the no-till organic guys as much as I can. 
but um, there is there's only there's a limit sometimes on on how, the degree of weed control you'll get. So, well, I think. Go ahead, Eric. Well, I think you know everybody could agree that's kind of like the holy grail of management. I mean, if mm -hmm. you can no till, if all you're mm -hmm. doing is planting and harvesting, that's that's like the pinnacle yeah. of farming right there. Right. Right. Right, and I think I think that should be our goal, but until we get there, and how we get there, you know, is is where we're at right now. I, I then as, as Jim alluded, it it does take a lot of luck. You could you could say it that way to make it work. I, I like to say that the stars and the planets have to align uh, in a certain way to make it out. I'm I'm just figuratively speaking here, not not literally, but uh, you know what I'm saying. Uh, so. But, you know, we're here to learn. I mean, what, what um, you know, what will we know five years from now? Um, and, and as we see some of these new tools coming out, I think there certainly is uh, uh, an option. Uh, there's opportunity to use use less uh, herbicides in, in an organic situation. You have to use none. Well, thank everybody for joining today. It was a good discussion. Appreciate it. And uh, until next week, stay curious and keep learning. Thank you, Steve. Yep, you're welcome.